Our world offers us false satisfaction in almost an endless stream of offers. But yours is satisfaction, a thirst that will be satisfied forever. So put that in our hearts, God. Put in us a a heart for you. Even if we say, God, I need this other thing. Cause that prayer to actually sort of divert those things and come to the reality of the most important thing. And that's you. Holy Spirit, powerfully visit us. Personally, anoint us. Descend upon this place and the people of this place in such a way that we are different because we waited on you. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus who gave his all for us. And God's people said, amen, amen. Good morning, church. Go ahead and have a seat. Look at somebody near you and... Blow them a kiss. They'll never know you're doing it, all right? (laughs) Um, Kids are already on their way back. Um, Lots of love going on there. And I I welcome you all back. Uh, And um, I'm I'm really happy that uh, we're, we're singing. Last week was hard on us. But I've, had, I've heard from so many of you who uh, have played the song that we sort of featured. It was a video version of part of the song, it turns out. That was a little over half the song called Promises by um, uh, Maverick City. A new city was in the name, Maverick City. Unbelievable song. You just got to gotta just look it up on Spotify. And those of you that don't know what that is... Um, I don't know how to help you. Uh, let's see. Um, no, it's, a, it's really worth getting. So ask somebody that knows how to get it for you. Promises is really uh, a powerful, powerful song. And, uh, and I, um, I'm just reporting what you have told me. It was very significant. And uh, God is truly the promise maker and thankfully in every way the promise keeper. Amen? So... <clears throat> It's just, uh, it's good to be together with you, and um, I want to remind you that this church, uh, like no other church I know, has heart. Heart. People that fill these pews, they're chairs now, but you know what I mean. Um, Heart. You see a need, you say, God, use me to meet that need. I want to help. I want to reach out. I want to support. And uh, I would remind you of dear uh, part of our family, Jim and Chris Wilson, they need, they need that kind of uh, uh, commitment, commitment care from all of us, and they're, they're getting it, but don't forget them. Thank you for not forgetting Debbie and I and a ton of other people in uh, times of trial and trouble, especially the long ones that don't go away, and our attention span tends to fade, not yours, not yours, you're on it. And I, lo- I love you for that and so many other reasons. So, um, I, um, I was thinking about big events that, um, I'll use the word historical. So there are events that have happened that, um, bless you, God bless you, 
Um, I'm tempted to make a COVID joke, but that would be tacky. So, um, there's just dust in the room, okay? That's all it is. It's just dust. So, okay. Um, have you ever wished, maybe you're like me in this way, you, you, you would have wished you were there for a historical event. That, that event that, like, split time in half. That event that stopped everybody in their tracks. You know what I'm talking about. That historic event that actually caused, it was so significant, everybody talked about it. And it seemed like they never got over it. They never stopped talking about it. I, I, uh, there's a long list of those. Um, I was thinking just the kind of a short list, and they're, it's just kind of, you know, um, they, they, they left me with um, a sense of a wave after wave of shock and awe. And, and you know, um, I think of one, I, it was before my time, but I think of what it would have done to have uh, been there, and we would have been a horseback riding or a carriage-pulling society in those days, and the very first vehicle came off the line. An internal combustion engine, and you hear words like, someday everybody could have one of these. And, I, and I've, I've, I've pushed myself recently to go back and imagine being one of those people watching this primitive car uh, presented to the world. And, and, and I'm sure it would have just, you would have said, I hope that day happens in my lifetime. I can't imagine it happening. But here's another one, right on the heels of that, actually, would have been um, to have been there in Kitty Hawk when the very first flight was short. How many of you have been there and actually seen the space? It's not a long distance, but it officially was the Wright brothers and their a uh, very brief, um, you know, sort of contraption that we've come to call commercial or uh, aviation. And can you imagine being there if somebody had said to you, you know what, there's a day coming when we're all going to get to do that. And, uh, and, and, and you, you would have never stopped talking about that. This one I was alive for. Some of you are saying, weren't you there at that Kitty Hawk thing? No, no. But I was aware, I was alive for that great day when I heard these words. I didn't understand them then. I understand them now. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, right? And, and America landed, uh, not only landed on the moon, but put, took the first steps onto the moon. And, uh, you know, it, it, it changed so many things. I mean, think of the things we got out of the space program. I mean, Velcro, where would we be? <laughs> Remember space food sticks? They are, I, I th I'm pretty sure they were clay with uh, a little sugar or something, but they worked in space, so we bought them like crazy. But anyway, you would have been super impacted. I, you know, um, after last night, I, I think one that I will never stop talking about if it happens, is the Raiders winning the Super Bowl someday? I'm just going to throw it out there. Actually, they've won three, so some of you critics and cynics 
we'll be back. Okay, so, um, so my list is more than stuff like that, obviously. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the same question about things that happened that are recorded in the Bible. None of us were there. In fact, no human was there. But can you imagine if you had been a human and watched? Maybe God reversed the days of creation and somehow, some way, humans were there and present when nothingness came into being as the world we know and the universe we know. You would never get over that. You would be talking about it. We would be, yeah, I remember. Oh, my goodness, it was amazing. It went from uh, formless and void to Mount Rainier and cool places. And uh, you, just, you just wouldn't stop talking about it. It would be that amazing. And the Bible gives us a little hint of this. Uh, those that were around in the Exodus, they never got over that either. All that went on in the Exodus was constantly talked about. In fact, God made a point of talking about it. Most talked about miracle in the Bible for a reason. There were 10 plagues. Remember that? Imagine being there and those you you saw it happen. And and then the 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 the, the great day came when the sea in front of you when you were certain you would die, it actually parted and we were told we would have been among them walk. Yeah, head east and the the ground that you'll walk on will be dry. And it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to have been there and never stopped talking about it. And we get to the other side, and guess what? God says, I'm going to guide you. How are you going to do that, God? You're just going to come and walk in front, kind of like Moses. We're getting used to that. No, God says, no, I got this thing called a pillar. Two of them. One's a pillar of cloud, and you follow that during the day. I will be in that, and I will guide you. When it stops, you stop. When it moves, you move. And then at nighttime, not to leave you alone, I got another pillar. It's a pillar of fire, only it won't be like your campfire that burns up unless you keep feeding it. I am in that fire, and I will guide you at night. You'd have gone, I'd have woke up every day. Where's the cloud? Where's the cloud? It's daytime. Where's that cloud? It's nighttime. Hey, there's, there's the pillar. I see it. And, and then how about food? We're in a, I almost said God forsaken wilderness, but God was present, wasn't he? What are we going to eat out here? There's no, there's no Costco. I mean, there's no snacks even out here. God says, I got that every morning. Go get out of your tent and there will be, there will be angel food. I think that's where the cake came from, actually. But anyway, there's going to be food for you every day. And on the sixth day, Friday morning, there's going to be a double portion because I don't want you working on Sabbath. I want you to rest. And, and it happened for 40 years it happened. I, you can tell I've, I've kind of revisited these moments. That was manna. It was called manna from heaven. Um. And then you, you, you get to the New Testament, and if you were one of the, I don't believe in luck, 
if you were one of the lucky ones that got to be at that tomb the morning that he rose, there's no fixing you. There's no getting over it. Uh, and, and then one more. I had you kind of practice this recently, imagining standing on that hill, Mount of Olives, across from the Kidron Valley in Jerusalem. You would have stood on that hill and looked up as Jesus ascends. That's a word for rises back to heaven. He's taken up to heaven. And, and there's, we'll get to these words in Acts chapter 1 in a moment. But I would have been one of the ones that the angel said, hey, hey, what, what are you looking for? Because I would have been, oh. you know, I, I would, I, I just would, I, I, I don't have a category. I don't have words to describe that. I'm pretty sure I would have been one of those people that would stare without blinking at that epic event. In fact, at most of these events that I've mentioned, just they make your jaw hang over and never stop talking about it. So I want to take you to um, a wonderful new series that we begin, a study today called uh, In Step with the Spirit, Acts chapter 1, this comes out of. And it'll be a study for most of this year. We were set, scheduled to begin it last week, but the mind of man plans his ways and the Lord directed our steps differently. So that's okay. It's really okay. Some of you are watching from home and I hope you're part of this uh, study that will that will commence this morning and carry us through um, really the most of this next year. And it'll be a, um, we've come off a study that was one of my most satisfying experiences in preaching ever. And it's moments with the master. And we spent week after week visiting with Jesus in scenes that we read about in the Bible, but we tried to imagine ourselves in them and take them in almost like they were a, a first-time experience for us, whatever it happened to be. And, uh, you know, be there on that hillside when Jesus fed 5,000 from five loaves of barley bread and two fish, for example. We did that for uh, over a year, a little over a year, uh, basing every conversation on one of four Gospels, in some cases all the Gospels. Do you realize that that study mostly contained uh, the movement of Jesus Christ in three years of his life. I'm, I'm doing a bracket here. Jesus was older than that, but it, the Gospels focus on three years. The book of Acts, in step with the Spirit, is the follow-up to that, only it covers not three years, but 30 years. So, we'll move quicker. There's only 28 chapters. Uh, to put it in a comparison, Matthew has 28 chapters, and that, that, that gospel, Matthew, covers really mostly just three years of Jesus' life. The 28 chapters of Acts cover 30 years. So you'll see uh, and sense a fast movement here, but there's some starting points we've got to capture and understand, okay? So to do that, I want to take you to a scene. You don't have to go there unless you care to turn to math, back up to Matthew chapter 16. But here's what happened. Jesus is, um, is talking to his disciples at a place about 40 of us from Grace Point visited in uh, Caesarea Philippi. It was north of, just picture 
Israel in your mind, and up in the northern part of Israel, above Galilee, is this place, Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus that night has a conversation with, um, with his men, and he asked them some questions about um, kind of the popular view when it came to Jesus. There's a lot of people in that time claiming authority, claiming to even be deity. So Jesus says, hey guys, what are you hearing out there? What are people saying about me? So their answers weren't crazy. They started with, well, there's a, there's a popular view that you're a prophet, that, that you are somebody we read about in the Old Testament. You're one of those prophets like Elijah and Jeremiah for two reasons. They weren't random. Elijah, he performed a lot of miracles, and you've been performing a lot of miracles here, Jesus. And Jeremiah had a voice. He was a, he was a communicator. And <laughs> do I need to say Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is a communicator, right? We, you with me? So that was their first answer. And then they weren't done. Uh, one of them said, you know, you're kind of like the, the, a modern uh, messenger. You, you seem a lot like John the Baptist, and they mention him. And then in that setting, Jesus looks at Peter, we're told, by Matthew in the retelling of that, and he says to Peter, how about you? What, what say you about me? So he's asking the group, and then he narrows down to Peter, what about you? And Peter, I don't think it was a guess because of what Jesus told him next, but Peter's answer in verse 16, Matthew 16, verse 16, well, you're the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God. Like, of course, that's who you are. And Jesus says, wow, good for you, Peter. You got it right. And, and you know what? Not that I'm surprised you got it right, but I know how you got it right. You didn't learn that in school. You didn't even learn it in a Jewish home. You learned that from God. He told you. And uh, Peter was correct. Um, and then Jesus says this. And it has great relevance to our start of this new study. Jesus says, just moments later, you got it right, Peter, and I tell you, I'm going to build my church, and the powers of hell won't stop me. Stay with Peter for a moment. Stay with the twelve church what <laughs> they wouldn't have gone oh good good you're going to build your church they would have said what what did he just what's church what does that mean the book of acts as I've said, the first 30 years of Jesus actually pulling off the prediction he made to Peter that night, building his church. And it's a story of how the disciples that night were part of the 
experienced not only the birth, but in fact the building of his church. Uh, Acts is part two. Uh, Just to give you a little reference or else we miss a lot of meaning. It's Acts 2 of Luke, a first century physician's account of Jesus' early life and legacy. He actually wrote the first or the second gospel bearing his name, Luke, the gospel according to Luke. And in the gospel bearing his name, Luke wrote of the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the main focus. Most of that was his life and his death. Okay? So, um, <clears throat> but here in chapter 1 of Acts, uh, as well as in Luke, if you were to take the time to go to the first chapter, you would see that Luke is referring to an unknown man in writing these things. I'm just going to call attention to him. We don't know anything about him. We know what his name means. Okay, It, it, it means one who loves God. His name's Theophilus. It's kind of a cool name. I don't know if they called him Theo. Maybe. That makes it feel more real to me anyway. So uh, Luke's writing Theo. He wrote him back in the gospel all about Jesus. And now he's writing Theo again. One who loves God. So let me speculate a bit, just for a second here. Dr. Luke is a skilled physician. Most physicians are given to detail. They want to cut the right place and not cut too much or too little. That's what they do, right? A surgeon, at least. So in writing, uh, as a man with a heart for God, he has an interest. If your name means heart for God, they weren't just, um, there was a ton of meaning in in surnames in those days. And, and a heart for God might mean that Theophilus had an evangelist heart. He wanted to share the news about how to know God and how to love God. And, and, and just my guess, but it's, 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 it's based on the facts that the gospel is in fact built on historical teaching and truth. We know that. You ever want a reliable source about Jesus Christ, you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's what I mean by reliable. Okay? So, um, and, and it's a story. This information is actually, by God's design, something to be shared. It's not just to be a student and learn it and take it in and that's it. It's to, to see it, learn it, embrace it, and then share it. That's what the gospel's about. So you probably remember, but I'll remind you of the words that end each of the four gospels and begin the book of Acts. They're known as collectively the Great Commission. Go into all nations. Matthew says it uh, in a way that most of us have remembered or even memorized it. Go into all nations. Final words of Jesus reported by Matthew. Go into all nations, make disciples. You're supposed to meet people, make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you, the, 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 the gospel. 
And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the, the age we live in. So in Acts, Luke picks up where the gospel left off, serving as the only real biblical book to describe the beginning of Jesus' church for these three decades. So Luke begins book two. Remember, I've said this is the second of two. He begins it this way. Look on with me as I read. In my former book, Theo, Theophilus, Theo, I write, I, <clears throat> I write about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Aren't you glad for details like this? And spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. My Bible has it in red ink. Does yours have that too? I, it, it doesn't matter. These are Jesus' words. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in, the, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I mean, there's an there's a excitement in those words. This is their first interpretation of them. Verse 7. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Hold up for a second and let's take it in. Because my Bible shows those are the last words of Jesus. Um, Jesus spent six weeks, if I calculate it right, minus a couple days. or uh, 40 days, six weeks, right? He spent six weeks giving them plenty of proof that he, in fact, really raised from the dead. And that he was really the king of the kingdom of God. Make that connection? It would be Jesus saying, I want you to be part of my program, my family, and I'm the head of it. I want you to be part of the kingdom of God, the expansion of the kingdom of God, and you're looking at the king. That's what Jesus did for 40 days. Okay? And then he tells us why. They had a job to do is probably the best summary of verse 8 I've ever worked on. They had a job to do. They were to carry out the Great Commission. And he tells how they're to do that. They will be empowered by the Holy Spirit every step of the way. I could have preached a second sermon on all the ways we've tried to come up with to carry that out. And they're good attempts. The very fact that we have an interest in doing that is a good thing. 
But he's saying, I'm going to do something, and I'm going to do it through the Holy Spirit. Now, hold on to that, because that's, there's really an intentionality for why I even named the series In Step with the Spirit. This is, I read three times in the words I just read to you. I circled three times that the Holy Spirit's mentioned, verse 3, verse 5, and verse 8. We're just out of the gate. This is a Holy Spirit program. It's a big deal. Much more on that in the coming days. Can I just say this in practical words? If you try to pull off verse 8 without the Holy Spirit, it will for sure be frustrating and ultimately futile. Um, and maybe we could say in, in, a, in a sort of a summary way, foolish. You need something to be effective in this commission we've been called to carry out. You need the Holy Spirit. Um, it's really the focus of our study in the coming weeks, the Holy Spirit. You won't have to listen too closely to sense that chapter after chapter, and I've been through them all very carefully, uh, the Holy Spirit is a dominant, central theme. What he is doing. The emphasis of Acts is, in fact, on the Holy Spirit. The job of being his witnesses can't be carried out with the whole, without the Holy Spirit. Uh, somebody told me last week, and I, I tend to agree, they were describing great evangelists. And they were describing individuals, I don't need to mention names, but they were saying they're not really amazing teachers or communicators. Put those together. Great evangelists, not necessarily great teachers or preachers or communicators. Great evangelists, why? I think because they get this. I think that because they understand, God, nothing's going to happen here. Not one heart will be impacted, much less changed, without you. Isn't that good? That's really something we've got to get a hold of. I've struggled off and on with this my whole 40 years as a pastor. There have been times when I thought, oh, I just get another degree, you know. If I go to another conference or seminar, I'll be on it, you know. Doesn't poo-poo seminary and seminars. It just says, don't forget who you have to have behind the wheel of the bus. We heard about a bus last week, didn't we, church? My father's prayer is a great prayer, Dad. Lord, send that bus for me soon. But um, anyway, um, my series title calls attention to the um, continuing relationship. Of the, of the Holy Spirit with God's people. Not just the historic presence. Please don't read that. That's an incorrect conclusion. It really was true, and it really began chapter 2. We'll get there in two weeks. But it continues today. It continues to be the way for growing God's kingdom still. 
Amen? That's something we got to get. And uh, so strong is this emphasis, I actually was uh, not surprised to find some uh, theologians that would almost advocate. Uh, some of your Bibles say it's Acts of the Holy Spirit uh, or Acts of the Apostles. You probably have that in some of your uh, translations. Some have advocated it's really Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the more correct sort of view because, in fact, Acts are more than the work of the apostles. If you, if you buy anything you're hearing from, from my introduction this morning, it's the belief that the amazing things that fill 28 chapters, <laughs> they, they didn't happen because those were superstars. In fact, you're going to read that most of Acts is about two apostles. A lot of uh, supporting cast, but Peter and Paul, big players. So are we really correct to conclude, well, if you're Peter or Paul, you can make stuff like that happen? Or is there a much bigger and more inclusive conclusion that God has for us in this study? You know my bias and my belief in that. You and I, normal people, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in us and through us for the impacts that he intends around us. It's good. Um, listen to these words of Jesus who uh, shared them the night of the Last Supper. Uh, that night he was in the upper room with his disciples and uh, he announced, in fact, that the Holy Spirit was soon to come. Uh, I love those words. It was a night that I've, I've spent a long time imagining myself in as sort of the 13th chair, if you will. As one of those people that was there, uh, turns out uh, Jesus described something that only 50 days later, 50 days from that night later, happened. Here's what he said. You can find this in John chapter 13. It's the upper room, the night. He was actually arrested later that evening and crucified by midday the next, the next day. Listen to what he said. Jesus said that night, if you love me, keep my commandments. And, if, and I will ask the Father, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, an early reference to the Holy Spirit, to help you and to be with you forever. Then he adds, the spirit of truth. Still quoting that moment, the world cannot accept him. They don't even see him. They don't sense him. It neither sees him or knows him, but you know him and listen to these parting words. And he will live with you and will be in you. Isn't that great? It's so good. It's more than companionship. It's an intimate presence that he wants for his people, the Holy Spirit. He wants not just to walk with me. That's close enough. That's really amazing in my mind. You know, the, 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 the thought of he walks with me and talks with me along. That's right, the narrow way, right? Well, it's more than that. He, he's in me. He in dwells me. He said, hey, there's a temple where I want to live. His heart. 
Same is true for you if you've surrendered to Jesus Christ. Um, I want to just quickly mention uh, somebody that was on the scene centuries before. Um, uh, it was a prophet who um, came to church. Allow my description. And he was heavy hearted when he came. He was heavy hearted for a reason that's stated in the text in Isaiah chapter 6. Because the, a great king, Uzziah, died. Not a perfect king, but a great king. Here's a prophet just coming to church for the temple. He came there for some quietness. And when he got there, he met and encountered God. And he saw like sinners see, here's a prophet who realizes I'm, uh, I'm a sinful man. And I live in a nation, a land, among a people of sinners. It's not just me. We're all in a bad spot, said the prophet. And God did something because he saw the brokenness in Isaiah and the brokenheartedness over the loss he was mourning. And so he, he touched Isaiah and he cleansed him. And and he's, he said, God said, who then shall I send? Send for what? Send to the world out there that needs to hear what just happened in here. That's what. And Isaiah said this, not here I am, God. No, we reverse those words and we miss the meaning. Here Am I? He wasn't saying, God, over here, over here. No, look my way, look my way. No, 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 no. Isaiah was saying, here am I. It was a statement of offering. Then he adds, send me. Changes everything, doesn't it? Have you done that? Have you said, God, you know what? I'm, I'm. I don't have much to give. People don't listen to me. I stutter. I stumble. I, I lose track. But I want to see myself as sent by you. I want to see myself as, a, as someone, a sinner, who met you and you made a difference in me. And, and, I, and I answered your question, who will go and tell what just happened to you? I want to be that guy that says, here am I. Send me, Lord. Do you see yourself that way? I believe it's God's purpose for every one of us who have found the cure to our sin problem. Not just a few. I know Brad Butcher well. I know about Billy Graham. I know about other evangelists. But you know what? I got a story to tell too. I'm not an evangelist, but I get to say what Isaiah said. I get to say, God, use me, send me. 
Um, and tell them, tell the people that want to hear. Uh, I want to tell you about uh, where or actually who uh, I found the cure for. His name's Jesus. And when we go and tell, um, we're doing exactly the same thing that the apostles did in step with the Spirit. Look at the last couple of verses here. After he said these things, verse 8, verse 9 begins, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up in the sky as he was going. Suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Scratching your head, wondering what happened here. This same Jesus, who's been taken from you into heaven, will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So verse 8 says they were told there's something for you to do. Go. Um, Receive power by the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses everywhere you go. Verse 11, add something that you need and I need. There's never a time we don't need to hear, and he is coming back for you. You go for him, and you keep going, and the day will come when he comes back for you. So let me ask you, kind of tying some things together, where are you when it comes to witnessing and telling about Jesus? What part of your your world is yet to be reached? It seems to me if there's a strategy in verse 8, it's that it begins with you. It begins with your heart. Have you surrendered to Jesus? Have you said, I I see that you're the king of this kingdom. I got a problem in the way. It's called sin. I need your help to get better. Have you done that? Because it starts with you, but then the circles, I'm reading verse 8, right? They start to sort of span out they 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 go from my heart to my home and then to where I work and then to where I go to school and to the neighborhood I live in and they they widen like that the acts of the Holy Spirit is 28 chapters long and it's the story of the people of God empowered by the Spirit of God to move out in ever-widening circles. That's why verse 8 is such a key starting point. Jerusalem, that's verses 1 to 7, or chapters 1 to 7 of this whole story. You realize that? So they take it to Jerusalem, then they go to Judea, surrounding Jerusalem and south, and Samaria, that's chapters 8 through 12, and then the rest of the book is to the what is it? How does he finish it? To the rest of the world. You take it to the ends of the earth. That's, that's how it goes. Um, I want you to turn to the last chapter, would you? For just a moment, I want you to see a single verse. It's how the book ends. Chapter 28, verse 31. Um. It leaves you with a sense of incompleteness. Let me read it. For two whole years, Paul stayed there. He's in Rome in a rented house 
and he welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God, that's what we've been talking about this morning, and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. You, you read those and you sense it's a little incomplete. What's Paul doing there? He's under house arrest. He's awaiting trial uh, with the emperor. He's going to meet. He's going to present his case. While waiting, we're told that Paul kept testifying with boldness and the word without hindrance, unhindered. Nothing in the way, nothing stopping him. That's what he's doing. And then the book ends. I'm going to just say, I don't think it's a wrap-up at all. As, as much as it's a step up. It's not a wrap-up, it's a carry-on. There's, there's more to be done. And through the centuries, people have done just that. People still, this morning. There's somebody watching, there's somebody hearing these things, and, and they're sensing it needs to start right now in my life. I need to repent of my sin. I... I I, I need to surrender to the Savior because only then will I have the Holy Spirit come with his power to use me to communicate a message that just happened to me. I met Jesus. He's changed my life. I, I'm different today because of him. I'm beginning now to make more disciples. Because he told us to. A work that won't officially uh, finish until he returns, right? That's, that's how we read this. So with the Apostle Paul, may we be found faithful as we begin this new journey, boldly proclaiming the teaching of the kingdom and um, and 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 teaching about the king of the kingdom, Jesus. And may we be found to do that unhindered until he returns for us. And one day he will. And he says, that day the end will come. So I'm excited about the journey ahead. Um, I, I know that without the Holy Spirit, this will just be another talk. This whole series will just be another uh, journey of information. But God wants it to be a transformation, not a convince. And the Holy Spirit will pull that off. So let's bow before him. We're going to respond in song to him. And um, God, the gospel of the kingdom, you've said, will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to everyone we meet. And, um, and then the end will come, Lord. We feel like we're kind of nearing the end. Well, we can't know that any more than the, the apostles knew it. They asked it like we do, but they didn't get a clear answer. That's in your hands. But it was your voice that spoke what we're supposed to do until then. So starting now, I pray, God, that, um, that a thirst grows in us to do what you've asked us to do, but to only do it in the power of your Holy Spirit. 
So, Spirit, we pray that you would, um, as we surrender to you step by step, that you would make us unhindered in what we have to say and where we have to go as we tell others about you. And then it'll have power, and then it'll be as natural as telling our story. And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I ask you to pave the way, to open doors, and to use us to expand your kingdom and live fully for the king of that kingdom, Jesus Christ. Hear our worship now as we respond to you, Holy Spirit.